This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Mint Mobile. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, November 24th. It's Black Friday, and I'm with Basil. Hey, Basil, how are you? Hey, Miriam, I'm doing well. It's great to be here. Fantastic to have you on again. I just saw you at MediaTek Summit, and I was like, I need a Brit for <laughs> Thanksgiving week because none of you Americans and Canadians will want to do anything with me. <laughs> and you're saving the day because of that. Oh, my gosh. You Happy were my number be. one Brit on the list, I have to tell you. So, too kind. You know, too kind. I have a there list. are some good ones. <laughs> yes. I want to wish everybody who celebrates the holidays in the U.S. right now, happy holidays. It's not my thing. You know, I, I appreciate the, uh, what's it called, uncontrolled disassembly of turkeys that happens for those of you who partake. But it's not my thing, so I don't really care. But also don't really care about Black Friday. So those of you who expect deals on the show, you're not in the right place. By the time I publish it, it'll be, I guess it'll be Sunday. So it'll still be happening. There'll be like Cyber Monday or something. If Basil has anything that you want to like say, hey, this is the best deal for the UK, just tell people now. Oh my, I've been so boring with you my don't deals. Care. I'm like, no, batteries, camera batteries. That's about it, literally. You know, I don't care either. And it's not like that I don't care. Like, I get those of you who are like, I'm going to shop. Like, I bought a washer dry on Black Friday once. Like, yeah. It was an incredible yeah. deal. It was the LG high end, and I got it for half price. It was fantastic. But it's not what I live for. And so no. there's a lot of news this week, which is really surprising to me because I'm like, it's obviously not US centric, which is great to have you on, but it's uh, a lot of Chinese phones, a lot of stuff that's like not as, you know, whoa, gee whiz, as humane. You know, there's been no. the whole open AI stuff, but I'm not going to cover that because that's kind of insane. Very Silicon Valley soap opera, I would like to add. <laughs> but yeah, phones. So you, you have currently or just recently reviewed the Leica phones from Xiaomi, the latest one. Not really, because wait, the 14 has now been announced. Yeah, like a few weeks later, they superseded the 13 series, which they just kind of released the last editions of. Yeah, but the 13T is kind of like, as far as the West goes, the latest phones from Xiaomi. I have them and the right first, here. Yeah, I've got them here this too. Is the, this is the T, not the Pro. Um, so I'm reviewing, oh, you get the nice, you get the nice pro. They can send me the black. I have an opinion. I don't love the vegan leather, but more on that later. Well, no, no, go continue. Well, like, so I like vegan leather. Generally, I think it's a really nice point of differentiation. And I've always experienced it with a metal frame on a phone, but with a plastic frame, it's kind of like plastic on plastic. And it actually feels a bit cheaper as far as i'm concerned than the glass version um it's light it feels kind of like nice and ergonomic curved but yeah i don't love the feel so here's something that you brought up that i think bothers me too is the plastic frame but before we do to clear with the audience for those of you not watching we're talking about the xiaomi 13t and 13t pro which were announced early october i got review units sent i'm reviewing this for elena over at geekspin and somehow, I don't know how Elena managed to talk me into this because 
these are not phones I usually want to review, but she talks me to every year. I did yeah. the 11T Pro, I did the 12T Pro, and now I'm doing the 13T Pro. And every year I write the same thing, plastic frame. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, Xiaomi, but if I can buy a Pixel 7a for 499 US dollars, or even the previous before that, the 6a, for whatever it is now on sale, with a metal frame, you have no excuses. Like, yeah. I feel this is my rule, the rules of Miriam. Basil, tell me what you think. Rules of Miriam's for phones. All phones above 500 US dollars should have a metal frame, should have wireless charging, and should have OIS on the camera. The rest, and water resistance. The rest, you can do what you want. Okay, if you want to put a cheaper little chip in there or whatever, or put some kind of weird camera setup, I'm all in. Just those are key things that need to happen. Now, I think there are plastic frames and there are plastic frames. Like you look Correct. at phones like the Honor 90 and it's got a polished plastic frame and it doesn't feel super rich and cool and stark, but it doesn't feel as plasticky as this matte metal frame that feels really, really entry level. And it's not an entry level phone. It's a fantastically spec'd phone. And I think that's what uh, Xiaomi was going for with this. I agree with you in principle, but then if you want a little bit more power than a phone like the Pixel 7a is going to offer, even though it's got a really decent chipset, um, if you want a few flourishes, the screens on the Xiaomi 13T series are so good, um, yeah. then I understand why you might cut back on some of those must-haves that you were talking about. I, I agree, but I feel like, you know, we're looking at phones that are not that significantly cheaper than the Xiaomi 13 and 13 Pro. You know, no. in the great scheme of things, this is my always what I say in my review as well. It's like, why don't you buy the one that came out in at MWC in February, March? Because yeah. it's on discount now, probably, slightly. You yeah. can get a deal and you still get, I think, generally getting a better phone because you're getting wireless charging, you're getting a metal frame. And... Uh, I actually think you're getting a better camera and oh, this, yeah. you're more of an expert. So I kind of want, I'm a little disappointed with this camera system yeah. on these phones. And it's not, it's like, I, I want to preface this to be clear to the audience. like I'm really pushing here because this is a really good camera system to start. The baseline is high, but it's not as good as the 13 and 13 Pro. And more importantly, my disappointment is around, well, for the lack of one inch sensor, that's debatable because one-inch sensors bring a whole bunch of problems with them, but I like them. Um, but the biggest problem with me is, a, is a, you know, anything beyond 3X is, is, is potato, it's garbage. And, and, and I can get way better performance out of a much cheaper phone, like a, even a Pixel 7a does a better job at a 5X photo than these 13T series phones, which... I'm like, if you have Leica on there, you know, I understand you have a great portrait lens, which is not stabilized. You know, trying to do zoom with this phone is, is a nightmare. Even software stabilization is crap. Like, I can't zoom in, like, on anything. It's not stable. Now, I'm very good at being steady and stuff, and I can make it work. Basil, what's your take on that? Um, I had different issues with it. I will agree with you that the secondary cameras generally are a big fat letdown, and uh, but I they're a semi letdown. It's not like we've got one of those old two megapixel fixed focus macro cameras no. that would just fill it. So 
at least there's no filler here. Um, my main thing with this, yes, the zoom is lacking. I don't care as much about the zoom as the main camera. My thing is Xiaomi and Leica have gone for very, very like characteristic processing, high right. contrast. They've really, really adhered to a look and like planted their flag in the ground. Um, whereas Oppo with OnePlus phones um, has, is going for a more HDR look, despite the Hasselblad co-branding. Leica is really, really going for a traditional old school look, not a huge amount of shadow detail that's automatically pulled out. It's very stylized. And I personally feel for Joe Public buying a phone like this, they're going to prefer something a bit more computational. Um, it doesn't take advantage of the large IMX707 inside to the best of its ability. So I agree with you on Zoom, but for people who just want a great main camera, I feel like the automatic mode lets it down. Um, however, when you go into the pro modes, it really does come into its own compared to devices like the Pixel 7a. I agree with you. And I have to say that I was a little, you know, disappointed on the specs of the camera, the main sensor, but in use, I'm seeing the same things you're seeing. And yes, in pro, of course, but the problem is nobody really shoots in no. pro. Like, I hate to say this, but if you bought a Sony Xperia, you might shoot in pro, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you bought a Xiaomi 13 Ultra, you might shoot in pro. If you bought, you know, a Fine X6 Pro, you might shoot in pro. But who buys a Xiaomi 13T uh, Pro? I don't think that's fair. I really don't think that's fair because I think you might buy this phone because you can't stump up to one of the right. higher price yeah. phones. And actually, if you look at the base hardware for the price, and this is especially true on the 13T, which is much cheaper than the Pro, Indeed. you're getting a really decent main sensor for the price. This is the same main sensor that was on the Xiaomi 12 Pro. And so if you do go into Pro mode, you can get all those bigger sensor benefits. And you're right, it's not one in. But then when you're paying what it is in the UK, around £500, it's actually like represents decent value compared to what else is on the market. No, I agree with you. I'm being picky here. <laughs> um, I just feel like I'd, I wanted a more universal tool. Yeah, because this yeah, 100%. Is a, this is a T product. And to me, the, the T products is kind of like, in many ways on Xiaomi's universe is the same as a T product on the OnePlus universe. It's like an affordable flagship. You're taking that flagship and you're tuning it down in price. You're making some sacrifices and that's fine, but you're still delivering an overall very well-balanced phone. And I feel like there is a lot here that's really good. Like, for example, you said the display. Um, if you get the high-end one, you get a Dimensity 9200 plus. The low-end one is an 8200, am I correct? I think Something so. like that. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the only two differences between the phones. I think maybe charging speeds, although they're, they're oh. both 120, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, you've got slower charging speeds, I think around 65, but also the, um, you can't record because of the chipset 8K video on the ah, 13T. 8K. Okay. So, right. Yeah. Who records 8K video, Basil? Not me. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to say it's funny because this just sticks out in my mind. Um, as you know, Tesla is about to release, finally, the Cybertruck, and they're actually putting vehicles in their showrooms at their flagship locations. And somebody in the Tesla forums did an 8K walk-around video of the Cybertruck to show how good the fit and finish was, because these are really well, these are really well made, it turns out. 
Are they going to be as well made as the production final ones? Who knows? But it's interesting that they chose 8K, I think, just to be able to have that much detail. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not sure that translates. Like, how do you, who has a display that displays 8K on I'm, a laptop or uh, on yeah. a phone? Never mind. Anyway, it's just weird. I don't understand 8K video yet. Like, I, I think once we get 8K displays at a $500 price point out there, Maybe they are. Maybe I'm wrong. Are they at $500 yet? I haven't seen any. No. No. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> I think these two phones are great for, for the money. I've, I think I would pick the 13T um, because, you know, 120 watt is awesome, but it's been 120 watts since the 11T. It's been two years. It's nothing new. This is a staple now of the T-Series for Xiaomi. And of some of their even cheaper phones, like the Redmi Note series, some of them are 120 watt charging now. Yeah. So I'm yeah, gonna I just so I'm go gonna on. stand up for the Pro because, like you said, you've got the Dimensity 9200 Plus, it's and you've fast. Also, it's fast, and because it's plastic, it stays pretty cool. Like high, like maxed out Genshin Impact, it just does a very good job provided you don't care this is a plastic phone. With the great screen, IP68, all wireless charging. Plastic phone, wireless charging, mediocre secondary cameras. And if you're a prosumer who wants to lean into the pro mode, this could be a great shout for you. Would I recommend it to everybody? Absolutely not. But does it still represent like best in class value in certain areas? I think so. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not. I just feel like the disparity in price is odd to me. Uh, yeah, for just a difference fair. in charging speed and processor. Yeah. And and I appreciate what it delivers in terms of performance. Yeah. But again, you can buy Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 flagships yeah, for you know 600 US dollars yeah. all day yeah. long right now. Yeah. So right. and, and you know they're not better or worse. Like I'm no. you know I'm a big MediaTek fan. They sponsor yeah. the podcast. I love them. Yeah. It's not because they sponsor the podcast that I'm a fan either. I've used their chipsets for years. It's more like making a phone that cuts some of those pillars that to me are pillars. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand your the telephoto. I can understand the ultra wide that's a little lesser, you know. But like, come on. Like at that yeah. price, that's all I'm saying. And it's why it's a little hard. It's a bit of a hard sell for me. Again, especially if you know you can go out there and get a discount on the 13 or 13 Pro, especially the 13 Pro. Mm -hmm. So overall, I do like the industrial design a little better than the 13 and 13 Pro. I mean, the 13 (laughs) at least has those nice wedge sides, you know, that feel a little different. But these look uh, at least a little more spicy with a camera pod than the absolutely generic and boring camera pod on the 13 Pro. Yeah. Where is Xiaomi's design lately? Like, remember the 11s with the rounded mm-hmm. camera pod? Those were really unique and different yeah. looking. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like the accents on the 14 Pro that I've seen. I haven't seen one in the flesh. But yeah, I really do feel like they're leaning in quite an inoffensive direction with their top-of-the-line phones um i don't love these i don't love the design i think my favorite xiaomi phone of the last couple of years is the 13 it's small the the shape it is kind of iphone-y but it's cute it's cuter than an iphone yeah it's it's a good interpretation of another design yes but it's still very uniquely xiaomi you know what i'm saying yeah yeah whereas you look at the 13 pro and you're like 
a hundred percent. What happened here? <laughs> it's just. Did you go to mad. sleep? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? it's mad. But I'm excited. Have you seen the fourteen? I have not. No. Uh, I mean, I've seen photos, I think, but yeah, in person, I have not. It's actually interesting that you bring up the fourteen because the fourteen came out at the end of October, at least yeah. in China, and and you know to match the Snapdragon Summit and the launch of the eight Gen three, but. How did they release them so close to each other? Like that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Yeah. In the past, it was six months apart. Hundred percent. Yeah. Are we going to see the T series come out in July next year? Now, so you'll have noticed that Xiaomi hasn't been forthcoming with review devices for Western media. Uh, they launched the 13T in Germany. They flew a lot of US media. I think uh, Xiaomi wants to create a real. A divide between China launches and then Western launches. It's not how the world works. Uh, I completely agree. But then we've got MWC coming up, and that's when I anticipate Xiaomi will see the global launch of the 14, oh, 14. series. Yeah. That's insane. That's like five months, four months apart or something crazy. I mean, yeah. not five, but it's a lot apart. Yeah, is but they're not much? direct. They're not direct for like success. Like the 14 Pro isn't a direct successor of the 13T. It's the 13, which came out last MWC. So they are doing their kind of six monthly ish. You're right. But they're basically shifting the schedule radically between China and the West. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it drives yeah. me nuts. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough coffee in, in this morning in my, in my, uh, system for this you're in the evening you can probably just yawn away at it now but i can't i'm just too hyped <laughs> up and i'm like how how does this make any sense uh but here's the thing i love that we're seeing these leica hasselblad zeiss branding mm -hmm. and color sciences that give us options that exactly. give the cameras personalities you might not like this but you might mm -hmm. i'm a huge fan of the hasselblad the oneplus yeah. open is still oh. blowing my mind Completely. i have stopped using my pixel to take photos i mean i still do sometimes when for things mm -hmm. that are mission critical that i know exactly that i'm going to get exactly the results i want like product photography but for everything else, open, comes out, mm -hmm. take a photo. And I'm so satisfied, especially after a few software updates. It's been really great. And I cannot go back to, I think, a phone that doesn't have, you know, 50, 48 plus megapixel on each sensor. Yep. And, you know, has a native 2X uh, mode on each sensor, meaning that you get all, mm -hmm. like having the ability to go from 0.6 or 0.5 to 1 to 2 to 3 to 6 to 10 then you start losing but up to 10 every yeah. there's no major gap yeah. which is one of the things that i love or even on pixel you shoot at 4.5 and yeah oh, it's good iPhone, because of super point, res zoom but oh the iphone no, oh god so bad at 4.9 it's just like a trash picture but um, I can't wait to see that what the Dimensity 9300 is going to do for that because they implemented that at an ISP level, the kind of hybrid zooming. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing if that helps improve that even further. But yeah, I'm exactly the same with the OnePlus Open uh, slash Find N3. Um, just so, so good. Impressed by the processing. See, I think my, my beef with the tele on the 13T series is this. It, and I've seen this before from Oppo as well, from BBK Group, uh, uh, Vivo too, right? It, it's like, if you put a 2X lens in there, make that a portrait lens, 
Make it mm -hmm. so that it only is active when you hit portrait mode. Give me that perfect, you know, 50 millimeter. Give me that bokeh by having a nice fast f-stop so you don't have to do synthetic bokeh. Give me something that's stabilized. Give me something nice. It doesn't have to be a high megapixel count. Just give me like a nice solid light, large pixel, 12 megapixel sensor. We're not going to zoom on this. It's fine. But I want the main sensor to be my telephoto. Why don't yeah. you let me use the main sensor as my telephoto? Or do sensor fusion, which... If it's if this is doing sensor fusion, I don't think it's doing very well. Yeah. Um, and and because you can see with super res zoom and these other algorithms, even today, without it being implemented in the ISP, what Google's doing, right? You can see the result. Like you can get uh -huh. a 5x shot with a Pixel 7a that doesn't yeah. have a telephoto that looks really solid, way better than this 13T. And we know the main sensor can totally do a 5x shot properly with uh -huh. a bit of software processing. Why are we not getting this for what is it, $7.99? Like, yeah. <sighs> now, here's my thing I really ask myself how much Leica is uh, like just insisting on more traditional processing because we went to the, I was um, lucky enough to be at the launch of the 13T in Germany. There was a panel discussion with someone from MediaTek, someone from Leica and someone from uh, Xiaomi. And it was very clear that Sha uh, Leica was leading the charge when it came to the color science for the automatic modes. And I have not seen a Xiaomi phone be this traditional before. I've got the 13 Ultra. The 13T has gone for a much, much more classical kind of processing. And I ask myself, is Leica encouraging Xiaomi to take a step away from computational photography in general? I don't know. But it would appear on the 13T that it does because it doesn't take advantage of a number of computational photography um, factors that I really enjoy. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I just uh, I just am frustrated because I feel like a phone should be able to do some telephoto work, like a little bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't have a telephoto lens, like giving me at least 5X at this price point that's usable. Yeah. And I feel that the yeah. 5X at this price point is potato. And I'm like, no, like this is this has become again a pillar of what you can do. I'm not saying you need a dedicated telephoto, but give me at least something that I can sink my teeth into. Yeah, I think that if they take that on board, the 14T will be a better phone. <laughs> Let's see what happened next year. Let's move into some news. Uh, the first thing I have on the agenda here is the Red Magic 9 Pro and 9 Pro Plus Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 launched in China right now. Uh, I think they've asked me if I want to review it. I review this for hot hardware every year. Um, and they always try to send me the S's and the pluses and the others. And I can only review one Red Magic phone a year, yeah. guys. Okay, yeah. so pick your poison. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this phone, what are your thoughts? Have you played with any of the Red Magic phones? Oh, yeah. Like you, I've reviewed every uh, Red Magic for the last few years. And I, I, I'm a freelance journalist as well as a content creator for anyone watching the podcast. So I have to pitch reviews in when I get advice. I speak with various publications. I have no luck pitching the S's in, but the standard ones, the number versions are always so, so easy to review. And I really enjoy reviewing them because I love the design, the direction oh man, that Red that Magic's really gone in. rectangular design they've mm. gone with, with the eight. Yeah. The first time I saw that phone in my hand and I showed a friend that phone, I was like, does that not feel like you're holding a piece of glass from the future right. in your hand? Future, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like the bezels are so slim. It's yeah. perfectly rectangular. Yeah. Look, I hate to say this, but I am bummed to see 
that we're going to these rounded corner phones more and more for everyone. Like, yeah. I know that they don't get kind of caught in your pocket and stuff, but how much different can it be? Like, this perfectly rectangular corner thing just blows my mind. It looks yeah. so good. Yeah, and they've lent into that this year with the camera bump being, so whichever way you look at it, it's basically just a rectangle. <laughs> yeah, basically. I love it. I love the design. I'm, I've requested one. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I hope the under-display camera has gotten better because it's always been pretty terrible. Although there's been multiple generations and it does keep improving very slowly. Yeah. But look at that. Are the cameras completely... Flush. Flush, yes. They have a, a kind of GIF that they released of, like, you know, uh, whack-a-mole. It's kind of like whack-a-mole with different phones. So, like, <laughs> OnePlus camera bump, iPhone camera bump. And then you've got this at the end. So, it's quite a cute GIF. I'd check it out. But, um, GIF GIF. Uh, but, yeah, I really like the design of, the, like, the direction Red Magic's gone. It looks like it's simplified a little bit. When I think back to the camo Red Magic 7 in the past, oh, they're really, really nailing I it. Did no. not like those designs no, at all. Me neither. Oh, they were so bad. The first one that I saw, and oh, look, it has a headphone jack. I'm just noticing, of course, <laughs> like they all do. But the first time I saw uh, a Red Magic that I was like, oh, this is cool. It was a non-fan-cooled model that they had for a brief yeah. moment. And it was rectangular. It, had that, it, it wasn't quite as rectangular, but it had that rectangularness. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, that is awesome. I want more of that. And yeah. sure enough, they delivered with this. And also, I kind of like this color, like this this grayish silver yeah. look. Yeah, I really loved the white one in the last series. But Is it this white? Time, yeah, the, okay, white. The gray looks great. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the black. I just, I just love the design. I, I actually really love a camera bump because it usually means I'm going to get a better camera. So I haven't got high expectations here in I mean, that respect. No, look, that's the problem with Red Magic, okay? Like I always tell people if they ask me, should I buy them? Like in the US, you know, they're lit, they're officially yeah. sold here with oh, 5G really? bands for North America, which is okay. a big deal because awesome. it's always every year the cheapest Snapdragon 8 Gen whatever yeah. that you can buy, like every yeah. time. So, Same in, the, in Europe. Yeah, so like this is going to be 600, 700 US dollars for a Snapdragon 8 Gen 3. And that's the, the best part to me. And because I review those for hot hardware, which is more of a, you know, kind of tech focused site, gaming focused site, and, and less like, you know, Elena's Geek Spin, which is more lifestyle where I'm doing this 13T series. Um, I have to focus on benchmarking. And the thing yeah. that blows my mind is that you do stability benchmarking and okay. without the fan on, you get 99%. Yeah. With the fan on, you get 99.9%. <laughs> it's like, you don't even need the fan even. Like this phone is so stable. Yeah. If you're playing four hours of gaming, you probably want the fan. Yeah. But it's incredible to me how well oh. designed the cooling is on these. If you don't mind the camera, that's 6,500 milliamp battery in the vanilla version of this. There's like, it's just, I really love these phones. You get loads of storage as well. They are a gamer's dream. Um, and like no phone at this price is going to pack everything, but this is kind of a balance of, and also the software is pretty Mediocre. I was just going to talk about that. The <laughs> software that you're not going to yeah. get updates, forget it, because no. they come out with a new phone every six months and they don't care. <laughs> and you're not going to get a very good experience. A lot of it is mistranslated. Yeah, there's bugs. Yeah. But if you can live with that overall, it's not like, it's not deal breakers. Like your phone's not going to no. randomly crash on you. Like it's none no. of that. But man, 
I love like, the design. Oh, oh. From watching content on that BOE display is so, so good. If it's the same one that they used last year. Oh, I, I'm a big, big Red Magic kind of like advocate for people who want to save a few bucks and want maximum power. Yeah, 100%. Nothing, nothing touches it. You know, the only thing that thing has come close, in my opinion, recently was, uh, and without a fan, was the uh, OnePlus 10T. To me, that was mm. a gaming phone in disguise. Yeah. The yeah. performance on that thing was unbelievable. Completely. And But, you know, because they were marketing it as something else, I couldn't give it the marks I would give no. a gaming phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I told the OnePlus people there, and they're like, they were scratching their head, like, but we don't want this to be a gaming <laughs> phone. But I'm like, but you made a gaming phone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't argue with me. This is a gaming phone. And they're like, no. Anyway, it's funny. Um, next one on the list is the Honor 100 series. And I want to say that we're talking about this today because Qualcomm launched the Snapdragon 7 Gen 3 last week, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first phone with that chipset, at least the base model, the 100. The 100 Pro, of course, is Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, I believe. What's your take on these phones? I mean, first off, from a style point of view, I, I'm quite lukewarm to how they look. Um, I just don't like the design of Honor no. lately. The only thing I've actually liked was the Honor Magic V2 folding phone. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's funny. They didn't mean to do this, but at the launch of the Honor 90 in Paris, they had a stand that actually skinned the back of the Honor 90s because... Well, I don't know. I was really glad to get it done because the back looked like a paper napkin. It like had this like weird dotted pattern. And I have the didn't... 90 and I can yeah. confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really glad they skinned it because like it's there. It's got a lot of redeeming qualities. But yeah, with the Honor 100, I, I if it goes the same way, the 100 will make it outside China, just like the 90 did, whereas a pro will stay in China. And that leaves me a little bit concerned just because... I, from first impression, the 7 Gen 3 doesn't blow, blow me away. Um, I know with the Honor 90, it's you might- actually less performance than the 7 plus, plus Gen, 2 Gen 2 on paper, because it doesn't yeah. have a prime core. No, exactly. And did you find with your Honor 90, processing those 200 megapixel images really did make it grind its gears? Yeah. And there's so many things about the 90 that I liked. Thinness, mm. lightness. Yeah. I didn't like the plastic. I didn't like the plastic as usual. Um, and the design. Mm, but it did feel really good overall. There were yeah. a few things though that were like, eh. Yeah. I, at this price again, like I know it's a you know, Oppo did this for a while. Would you know there's the Reno series is a perfect example of that. The Reno series for a while was just this sea of plastic. It's like Plastic, they went from like super high-end phones, right? Like metal and glass, super refined mm -hmm. to this sea of plastic. And then they pulled back. And now lately it's been better. Like there's yeah. there's more metal and more glass again. And 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 I feel like Honor is on the on the non-magic is kind of stuck in this sea of plastic right now. I know the back is glass, but like it doesn't feel like it to me because it just it just feels like such a fingerprint magnet. You just just feel like I'm holding a piece of like poorly made plastic. I hate it. I know yeah. they're not poorly made phones. So why does yeah. it have to feel so cheap? Now, I'm going to stand up for Honor just insofar as at least 
the frame is polished plastic, so it like yeah, isn't polished. quiet as kind of like budget feeling. Uh, which the 13T and T Pro are not budget phones. They should not feel as cheap as they do. The Honor 90 doesn't feel as cheap, and I'm anticipating this will have a similar feel. It has a similar look. Um, but I agree. I I struggle, but with the speed, the performance of the Honor 90. And again, with the Honor, 9, Honor 100, it looks like it's going to carry that forward. Um, but at least you've got a 50 megapixel camera. You don't have 200 megapixel images to deal with. And it does have OIS, which yeah. has been lacking on a lot of the Honor non-Magic phones, which I've always been a- upset about. Because again, you know, I have that idea that you should have OIS as soon as you hit like that 500 mark. Absolutely. And and it's, you know, the cameras have always been okay, in my opinion, yeah. on these phones. Uh, I mean, yeah. they're not flagship phones, so you just adjust. And of course, you get a nice display, you know, like you get a 1.5K here, 1220p. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not, I would probably not go for that yeah. myself, but I wouldn't tell people not to get it. No, and it, I don't know, uh, definitely in the UK, for example, Black Friday, you can get an on a 90 with like 256 gigs for like 300 pounds. Oh, that's a good deal. Amazing. And those deals have been dropping like all year, like I think 320 pounds. So they're really, really easy to recommend phones once they drop below the RRP, which they do pretty quickly. And so they're definitely ones to watch, but I, I don't think they're there to be exciting. I think they'll shift volume when the price drops. Yeah. Well, let's see how it goes. Uh, it's good to know that we have our first Snapdragon 7 Gen 3 phone yes. for what it's worth. Uh, and uh, that's what I'm saying, folks. It's kind of been this week of like a lot of phones have been announced or teased. And yet uh, it's kind of usually a pretty quiet week other than the Black Friday Madness, which is pretty yeah. much what consumes this news cycle. Speaking of uh, phones with new chips, the Redmi K series, which as you know is, uh, if you're listening, folks, you've, you've, if you've been listening for a few years, the K series from Redmi, which is a Xiaomi sub-brand, is always kind of like a well-specced, almost like affordable flagship premium mid-range series. I mean, it, it spans quite a bit of a price range, but it's always one to look out for. Um, there's usually a Poco equivalent, you know, like as always. And um, the 70 series, it looks like it's coming out November 29th. And there's a 70E model that uh, has been teased officially. And that is equipped with a brand new chip that was launched after the MediaTek Summit, the yeah. Dimensity 8300. Like, why do they did that too last year? They, they just quietly released the 8200. What's your take on this whole thing? And I mean, obviously, Xiaomi being one of the first doesn't make sense, but why yeah. didn't they announce it? I don't understand it. So it's also like not even the 8300, it's the 8300 Ultra. Um, so oh, it's right. kind of... Yeah, it's uh, like turbocharged. I, they haven't specified what exactly is turbocharged, um, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to finding out. I always say like they did drop the Antutu scores and it's roughly double what the 7 Gen 3 gets in Antutu. Um, and the 7 Gen and 8000 series, so Snapdragon versus MediaTek, they're relatively similarly positioned. Right. And so, like, I, and based on my experience with the 8200 and the 8200 Ultra, 
I'm I'm kind of jazzed. I'm here for media tech right now in this Me space. Too. I had an interview um, with a couple of the media tech guys, and they told me that the eighty three hundred actually has a virtually identical ISP to the ninety three hundred. Um, so it it drops eight k capture <laughs> and a couple of other bits that aren't like uh, mission critical um but all the computational photography stuff when it comes to photography across the board they said it's identical that's awesome for people who care about photography and are looking for value so this, this xiaomi phone in particular doesn't excite me too much but i love what it means for the 8300 yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I you know the biggest problem here is that the carriers dictate so much that we don't really get any high end media. T- like we get we get like um, what used to be the thousand series, which is mm-hmm. what now the seven thousand series, and we get of course the low end ships. You know we've got a lot of those. Um, the Helios are always a bit problematic, mostly because yeah. the software isn't optimized. Because I've yeah. talked to the media tech folks about that, they're like. Yeah, we don't understand it either. And I'm like, I don't think it's you guys um, because they go in such cheap phones, they just don't optimize the software because they have a, probably a more optimized pipeline for a Snapdragon because they make more Snapdragon cheap phones, at least here in North America. I'm t- yeah. thinking of Moto, for example, or even okay. OnePlus, where's that entire Nord N series for North America. Like you have the Nord CE for Communauté Européenne is how I think of it. I know that there's some overlap with India here, but the CE is to me is a European Nord and the N is the North American Nord. Anyway, the point I'm making is that, you know, this is, uh, it's hard for us because like, I want to see these chips. I want to see a 9300 flagship from OnePlus here in North America, like a OnePlus 12T or something. And it's never going to happen. I mean, not this year, maybe in the future at some point, but it's It's frustrating. I think we'll be seeing it more in uh, LATAM and like Infinix, Techno. They're the kinds of brands that would be putting it in their flagships. Um, So for, you know, emerging markets and like other parts of the world. But yeah, North America, I don't know how you guys keep up, to be honest. I have conversations with you about phones that like from years ago that never even launched in America and you're like on the ball. So yeah, props. Well, for me, it's a bit different because I kind of focus on the non-existent phones because my audience is all over the world. And more importantly, I think my audience in the US space, they already know phones well enough that they can look up the virus guide from The Verge and figure it out on their own. You know, like I don't need to tell them that a Pixel 7a is a great phone that, uh, you know, and and, and I, you know, everybody knows how I feel about Samsung. I, I think they make fantastic phones i have an s23 ultra and it's one of the best phones of the year for sure but it's so boring that and an iphone like everyone has that like why would you buy that buy a pixel fold and be bold you know or one plus open would be a better choice in my opinion but like (laughs) my point is you know like come on come on but it's interesting to see um i get a lot xiaomi sends me a lot of redmi's and poco's you know, they send me the flagship Xiaomi's and but they send me a ton. Like I got at least six or seven Pocos a year and six or seven Redmi's. I don't play with them all. I don't review them all because sometimes they just send them to me and I don't even know they're coming. And yeah. I'm like, I wasn't ready for this. The latest they sent me was the Poco C65, which is a $109 phone. And here's the thing. It's good for $109. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how can but, you oh. make a phone that's this cheap? I don't know yeah. how they do it. 
Here's the thing, though, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know where you got the $109 from, but what I found- uh, It's Poco- on sale right now. That's what Okay. Uh, so is it <laughs> It's $129 usually, but $129, come on, $129. No, no, no. I, I wasn't saying you're wrong. It's They use AliExpress pricing, but then yeah. when the prices, when it lands locally, where uh, in the UK, for example, they're priced like- double as like the price. So if you don't want to buy it on import from AliExpress, right. you've reviewed this phone with an RRP that is half what people are actually going to walk into a store and pay for it. So I do struggle in that respect with Poco, but like you're right, the AliExpress works. People can buy it from there. In North America, we seem to be able to get the prices advertised for at least some time. Okay. Then they awesome. run out of stock. And then yeah. you kind of SOL. Then they end up on Amazon usually okay. somehow. Okay, got it. And, yeah. But they're more expensive then, but not by much. Like they're still okay. like, I think, pretty reasonable. Cool. I, but yeah, I, I think Poco is great. Like the F5 with that, uh, we've already talked about it, the Snapdragon uh, 8, uh, 7 Plus Gen 2. Like right. such good value for money. I mean, yeah, I have I, that one. Yeah. It was the really, The F series really has always been pretty solid. So that's why I'm bringing up the Xiaomi, uh, you know, Redmi K70 series because they matter and you got that new MediaTek chip that, you know, it's interesting. Like they announced the 9300 before the event. At the event, we talked about a lot of things and, you know, it's not really, MediaTek is not really about announcing things at their events that much. There is some news, but it's really about more like connecting with the media world and, you know, networking, building relationships and understanding a little better kind of like the trends and stuff. For for me, it's always really interesting to talk to the various execs there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I had Finbar on the show uh, for the first 15 minutes last week. And, yeah. you know, even if you're, a lot of you I know that I think sometimes skip the intro, uh, the, the first 15 minutes when I have a, a sponsored segment, just know that it pays the bills. But <laughs> if you are listening, um, you know, you should take a listen to this talk I had with Finbar. We didn't specifically talk about MediaTek. We talked about industry trends with AI and GPUs and the way things are evolving in the chip world. And it's yeah. really fascinating because it covers things like the M chips from Apple. It covers things like Qualcomm stuff. And uh, that's why I like to do these segments for you guys, because I think there's some value to be had. If you, like me, are kind of keeping track of what's going on in the world and are future forward looking in your thought processes. So I encourage you to listen to these, but I know that, you know, I always tell you where you can, uh, you know, skip forward, but consider it because... It's uh, it's good stuff, you know. Also, Finbar is such an interesting, oh, he's an charismatic guy. I know, so, like, I know. you could listen to him talk all day. Hundred percent true. Um, moving on to the next uh, device. So we've got the dimensities. Wow, I really misspelled dimensity in my topics there. <laughs> oh, I must have been on my phone. Um, okay. So the next thing we have is one plus twelve stuff. Yes. Okay. So there's been a bunch of rumors. We talked about it already on the show. Um, we also know that it's going to be launching in China early and it looks like December 4th is the rumor right now, or is that confirmed? I think Let's it's see. been confirmed. Oh, it's been confirmed. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a confirmed. Okay. So it's coming on the 4th and that means be ready for more of that same. I know Robin and the OnePlus folks are listening. Robin, the CEO of North America. <laughs> it's, it, it's really annoying for us. You see these phones come out four months in advance, three months before they launch in North America, because then we know everything. Where's the surprise, right? Right. Especially with the open. 
The opener was so good. Now we're all hyped about the 12. Yeah. And now you have the opportunity, and I hope it doesn't happen, but the op- you have the opportunity, OnePlus, to disappoint us by releasing a phone that might not be quite as hyped as what we were wondering and expecting and releasing it three months before. And then when it comes here, we'll be like, yeah, it's here now. Here are our reviews, blah, blah, blah. The excitement we had for the open is all died down and we're back to where we were a year ago. I mean... It looks like we kind of, you could already take your OnePlus open for a camera test and do a review of the OnePlus 12 yes. based <laughs> on what has already been confirmed by OnePlus. So they kind of, yeah, let the cat out of the bag pretty early on the camera. Yeah, I think so too. So um, I, look, this Litia sensor though, that's not the yeah. same sensor, is it? I mean, I don't know what's in a T because that's the only difference. It's the uh, Litia T808 for the open and it's the 808 for the OnePlus 12. So they didn't, I don't think, I haven't seen the sensor size confirmed, but it's the same resolution. It looks set to be the same uh, three times telecamera. Um, so I don't it's the know same camera the system. So basically, looks, they, because there's rumors that this was going to be another Litia sensor, like something it could else. Be. And OnePlus, uh, based on an article in Jess Marina, OnePlus did say that they worked exclusively with Sony. I, again, there were no specifics, um, but like I said, the um, name is just a tear away from the sensor name of the OnePlus Open. Interesting. Do you think we're going to get the same ultra-wide too, or high-res ultra-wide? Because if we don't, that would be lesser camera than the Open. I don't know. I honestly don't know. OnePlus has kind of like been pretty uh, experimental with its ultra wides. Remember that super ultra wide, one fifty degree oh, field yeah. of view. It was kind of was, fun, but yeah. the quality was. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no autofocus and stuff. I hope we do because the OnePlus uh, Open ultra wide is sufficient. It's not the best out there. Um, if you've used the Find X6 Pro, that's I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the OnePlus open camera system. I'm like you. I'm a big, big fan. So if we get that, I won't be bummed at all. Yeah. Explain something to me that I haven't been able to understand. Maybe you do. About the branding here. Pro XDR. Is that a display thing or a camera capture thing? I don't understand why the camera app has a Pro XDR button. You push on it and everything gets less bright. So what happens with Pro XDR is the camera information, the HDR information is captured from what I understand in a proprietary way. And it taps into the high brightness mode feature of the phone in order to boost highlights with greater dynamic range than a standard picture would permit. That make any sense? So when you tap the button, you're taking advantage of that metadata and the display is showing to you a, a rendition of that data more that's supposedly more accurate, correct? That has at least has a higher dynamic range. So, um, for example, if you rem- edit a picture and remove the watermark, for example, it gets rid of the Pro XDR information. Ah, So that's baked in to the phone when it's displayed or baked into the image when it's displayed on the phone that took that picture. Got it. Uh, it's unfortunate because I edit most of my photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I like it, but again, like when you kind of edit a picture, it's kind of like, what war? Because <laughs> it just looks a little bit less exciting. But um, Well, why don't they give us editing tools that preserve that stuff? I don't know. 
I couldn't tell you that. Um, so it's like I'm a gimmick keep... right now. Like you have this button, you don't know what it does exactly. Like well, the average, put yourself in the shoes of the average consumer. Like you know, no, but you, it's the button is opt out. Oh, is it? Like how yeah, do you yeah, turn yeah. that off? I don't know. So the button, it's the high dynamic range kind of view that Pro XDI is on by default. Ah. So everyone's using it without even realizing it. You never even need to press the button. But what it does do when you come to edit a photo is it warns you, if you edit this photo, then you're going to lose Pro XDR. I don't know what my settings are, but on both my Oppo Find N3 Flip and my Open, I have that little, every time I look at a picture that hasn't been edited, I have that little Pro XDR button. Yeah, and, and if you it, tap it, it gets less bright. It gets less bright. That's all I yeah. know. That's why I don't yeah, understand. Yeah. I'm so like, I think reduce- it's got something to do with dynamic range and metadata, but yeah. why <laughs> is it, why Why does, don't just show it to me the way it's supposed to be shown. Don't, don't yeah. give me an option. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's overcomplicated potentially. Um, I So the with the Pro XDR, the default view, does look visibly rich. I question, do they kind of subdue it afterwards intentionally to make it seem like there's a greater kind of contrast between Pro XDR on and off? I don't know any of that. But one thing I do know is like, your highlights look super bright on the screen and the screens are always really decent quality and it kind of capitalizes on that. For sure. No, I get that. They're trying to show off, but it's just so confusing because I'm not sure like... You know, when I was initially taking photos of the open, the the firmware we had was very early and it was buggy. And okay. when you use the telephoto, you were it was it, it had uh, it overexposed. Mm-hmm. And so I saw the photo and I was like, oh, that's overexposed. But then I pushed the push the Pro XDR button and it looked great. And I'm like, okay. ah, so maybe it's displaying it to me overexposed, but the photo is not overexposed. Yeah. But then I edited the photo and I played with it on another phone and I'm like, oh, it's still overexposed. Okay. So it's definitely overexposing. Yeah. And so that, you know, I'm saying that's where yeah, the yeah, confusion yeah. stems. Like, you don't, what's yeah. real? What am I yeah. looking at? Like, and... And for me, because like you, like all a lot of people, because even like people who are going to buy a OnePlus Open might have a PC, right? And they're going to want to upload their photos or maybe edit them in Lightroom or something. Like what's real? Like I want yeah. my, my display on my phone needs to tell me what's real, right? So thankfully it does because it was overexposed and yeah. they fixed that in subsequent software. But I'm still not sure we need that button at all. <laughs> I can't just Hopefully worry about Oppo's it. listening. You know, oh, thank you, Oppo slash OnePlus. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, kind of interesting. I'm looking forward to the 12, although to be frank, the Open is so good. I don't see any reason why, other than Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, I would switch to... Yeah. And, and I mean, wireless charging, if it has it, which I hear rumors that the North American model will. And I understand why they don't have wireless charging on the other one, because it's kind of hard to... You'd have to put it horizontal on a vertical charging stand, you know, or f- position it in a weird way because the coil would be on the bottom half, right? Because that yeah. camera bump, I still think they should have put it in there. But that's <laughs> just me. Hopefully in open two next year or whatever. But I can live without it. It's not ideal for me, but the rest of the phone is so good. I've gotten yeah. so into it. It's the first folding phone that's a bookstore folding phone that made me like folding phones yeah, that were bookstore so, folding phones. So, like, I was glad that we were aligned on that because you're kind of a bit of a barometer for me. And when I heard <laughs> you talk I? about it, I was like, awesome. It's not just me. It is really awesome. Oh, I mean, I don't know if you've talked to a lot of folks that were at MediaTek Summit, but, like, we uh, US media have, like, 
you know, a lot of chatting going on in, in various channels in the back end. And we, we were all unanimously, like there was just a few reporters that didn't kind of get it. Yeah. And I think then since then I've talked to them and they're like, oh yeah, I've used it more and it's actually really good. Yeah. But most of us were like, this is the best OnePlus yeah. phone ever. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I mean, this is the thing people like need to understand. It's like Oppo's third iteration of foldable. And they had years of R&D before that. So OnePlus has uh, kind of really benefited from this partnership. Um, so I saw a really interesting article saying, actually, maybe we were wrong about, I can't remember, I think it was 9to5Google. I may be wrong on that, or Android Police. Um, but it was... Uh, I think we were wrong, actually. This Oppo OnePlus moving in the same direction actually seems to be a good thing if the OnePlus opens anything to go by. Look, a lot of people are a little divided by this, and I thought I'd ask you right now. I am very much in favor of seeing OnePlus become the Western brand and Oppo becoming the India slash Asia brand. I really don't care right now if the phones are the same. I just want a great experience, which I got with the Open. And that was the phone that was completely shared in terms of hardware other than mm -hmm. the back panel that says Oppo or OnePlus and the software that's Oxygen OS versus Color OS. What does it matter? Like we're yeah. way past the days where OnePlus and Oppo were so different. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're, what, three, four years now into this merger yeah. or whatever? Like, come yeah. on, who cares? Yeah, I'm just glad that they're, like, being... I remember, like, years ago, I was at an Oppo factory tour, and there were a bunch of red cables, and everyone was like, Hoo -hoo, red cables at an Oppo factory, because it was like, oh, OnePlus in Oppo, and it was kind of like, we all knew, you know? It was kind of... Of course the, we all knew. So I'm, I'm just glad it's all just open and like everyone and everyone's just happy about it like i agree <laughs> with you 100 percent. i like that pun um okay well let's see what else we got okay a couple of other things we talked at length last week at least with the information we knew when we recorded on thursday wednesday thursday anyway end of the week we talked about the nothing and sunbird and you know the whole apple rcs iMessages with yes. nothing trying to if anything nothing definitely raised awareness and definitely got some <laughs> some some views on that yeah. but more importantly you know it's obviously there's no cause and effect here i don't think nothing announcing they're going to have an iMessage solution with sunbird result in Apple announcing they adopt RCS. Like, I think that's more of an think EU there's play. there's any cause and effect? I think it's an EU play. I think that okay. they've been kind of, and they're like, oh, well, if these guys are announcing this now, why don't we announce the Apple RCS now? Because that way, you know, we're yeah, in the, yeah. we'll kill their BS for one thing. And it's very much like when Apple announced on the same day as the um X Elite was announced that they were having an event for the M3. I think that event was lined up and planned forever. And okay. then they're like, well, let's see what Qualcomm does before we, we announce. And then okay. they did, right? Yeah. I think the same thing happened here. They're like, oh, hey, nothing just did this thing. And it's making a lot of brouhaha and it's a lot of BS because we all know <laughs> iMessage is the best. But maybe we should kind of like reassure the EU that, yes, we're aware of what's going on by adopting RCS. Kind of like, you know, they had to adopt USB-C, which everybody seems to be happy with. I don't know if the average consumer is happy with it, but I haven't heard too much moaning and groaning, frankly. Um, I'm certainly super happy about it. Finally, I, I've, I, I finally bought a new iPhone, Basil. I, 
after four years of being on an 11, I finally bought yeah. a 15 Pro Max because of a number of things, but a lot of it was USB-C and the new camera system and et cetera. But the point is, it's exciting. And so the Sunbird thing was, uh, turned out to be a little bit of a problem, right? Yeah. How did they not vet this? I mean, we got as far last week as to going, this doesn't look secure because the news was out. Yeah. But now they've shut down. Sunbird itself has shut down their service. So Yeah. I mean, I'm not Shannon. You had Shannon on the show. And she yeah, was right? Like, yeah. I know. So she may have been a better stand-in for this show than me. But yeah, she um, she cited security concerns around various things. You spoke about the HTTP uh, like service they were using. So um, as far as I can see, it's such a PR flop for nothing. I feel like they kind of... Um, really uh keen to be the david to all the goliaths out there and like uh, it was just a premature move well i just honestly sh they should have vetted it like as soon yeah. as they said sunbird i was like sunbirds had not had a good reputation it hasn't really generated enough brouhaha for security experts to go out there and really do their thing but mm -hmm. now you've got the attention so they're going to do their thing and the fact that they didn't do due diligence on that just blows my mind yeah. Of course, Sunbird should shut down temporarily, and actually, they should shut down permanently. I think they should just come out with a new name and redo this properly if they're going to do it. You know, obviously, there is also the other one. I can't remember. Beeper, right? Yeah. Um, Beeper seems a little better because you're running on your own Mac. This is on a farm of Mac Mini somewhere, which is also actually an interesting solution, but... It does open up a lot of eyebrow raising when you have to log in to a device that you have zero control over with your Apple ID folks, yeah. right? So not surprising. This is kind of the end of this. I yeah. called it a fiasco last week, but I kind of feel that now we can really call it a fiasco. Yeah. Oh, we absolutely can. Also the video that nothing that Carl did, uh, it was so kind of like, Ha, Apple, now it's your play. Um, and like Apple didn't even need to do anything. Like they just let the internet sort it out for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this has nothing to do with the but Apple this announcement. Is, this has nothing, yes, to do <laughs> with. Look, I, I, I love Carl, but yeah. I had a glimpse of this where he sometimes jumps the gun. When... I was at the OnePlus 2 launch here in San Francisco, literally two, three blocks from my house down the street. And, you know, we're like, awesome, USB-C, first phone with USB-C. Looks like a nice evolution of the OnePlus 1. The price isn't bad. Everything's great. We were all satisfied until one voice raised in the hands-on space and said, there is no NFC. And it all came crushing <laughs> down, Basil. We went, oh. what do you mean there's no NFC? Yeah. We looked, there is no NFC. Carl was there. We literally crowded Carl into uh, a corner. And me and Martinick, Andrew Martinick, editor-in-chief of Digital Trends now, back then was at Android Central. We literally questioned him. Like, why, John, why do you, are you nuts? This is North America. <laughs> we used, at the time it was, I want to say Android Pay back then, not Google Pay. We, and there, he's, he's like, he's, literally scared at this point and we had to read in his rights about the fact that nfc was an important feature for a large big part of his western public and they never made that mistake again
But how did they make that mistake in the first place? He told us, oh, you know, our we did some, uh, what's it called, you know, focus groups, and they said we didn't need it. And so we're trying to make an affordable phone, so we cut it out. I'm like, no, oh, that was very yeah. tone deaf of you. And yeah. I think this is the same thing here. Yeah, I mean, and the uh, frustrating thing is, I don't know, I haven't seen your Nothing Phone 2 review. This is an awesome phone at a great oh, price. Oh, check it out. It's on hothardware.com. I look forward to reading it. I will. I um, love that phone. Cool. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Like it's almost like it's getting to the point with nothing phones where they almost they don't kind of need too many kind of gimmicks and no. they, like so ah, it's just one of those frustrating things where I I kind of like applaud his kind of like in, intention to make waves and cut, but yeah it. It, the phone is good enough. It's kind of stands on its own. And like, I get the beer and the like branding around it is so much, they're trying to go so far beyond the phone. Um, yeah, it's, if they're going to keep being so punchy with their um, kind of strategy, then I think it's going to, we can expect more hits and more misses. Agreed. I, I love nothing. I'm on board with a lot of what they're doing. I love their earbuds. I love their phone. Uh, phones, even the first one, even with its flaws, I liked. And this was unnecessary. And I just can't believe they didn't vet this. And um, yeah, anyway, uh, moving on, the last thing here is a little weird. Harmony OS Next, which is the next version of Harmony OS for Huawei phones, will drop APK support, will drop Android app support. Wow, like, wait, does that mean Huawei is going to develop all the work with Baidu and and we so chat to is, have an app for these phones because that's only that is, matters, right? You only need yeah. two apps in China, and the rest can be the apps that are native to the phone, right? This is only in China, FY. Like I don't know if you've seen. This isn't. Uh, they've confirmed now. No, Huawei's I know it's confirmed. only in China, but I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. like this, even in China, it doesn't make sense, oh, yeah. right? Like oh, if yeah. you're Neo, the car maker, and you have an app for your Neo car, yeah, you can buy a Neo phone. There's such a thing. I actually just wrote an article for Tech Radar that says the line between your smartphone and your EV is getting blurred. The yeah. Tesla phone is coming. The Xiaomi EV is coming because it's okay. all true. I mean, the yeah. Tesla phone might not come here, but it'll probably eventually come to China because that's the direction everybody's going there. So if you make an app called the Neo app for your Neo EV, and it's obviously an Android app, how do you put that on a Huawei phone now? Well, I mean, I don't have enough <laughs> I visibility Sorry, into Basil. the I'm China market. I'm not asking market. you the question. No, no, no. <laughs> but actually, like going beyond the specific example, I don't have enough visibility into the China market to understand their reliance on APKs. Uh, I mean, I find it pretty incredible, the mere fact that they don't need to have access to the Google Play Store because that's such a requisite for us. So um, that instantly suggests APKs are less like necessary. I I don't know. I'm I, Huawei doesn't have to do this. Huawei is choosing to do this. Uh, Huawei is uh, developing Harmony OS Next for China. The rest of the world is going to continue to use EMUI. I I don't know. You maybe can shed more light on what it means in China than me. It doesn't make much sense other than the only thing I can think of is that Huawei is so strong there, so big, so entrenched in the system. Like there might as well be the parties, huh. this consumer electronics company. No offense to Huawei, but come on. It's pretty obvious that they can force developers to make a version of 
all the apps for Harmony OS, which is probably also, very similar to developing for Android, even if it's not packaged as an APK, even if it cannot install an APK. Because remember when Harmony OS came out, yeah. how it looked exactly like Android, and they're like, no, yeah. we wrote it from scratch, it's not Android. We're like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, completely. And this is the thing as well. All that this means, from my understanding, is you if you want an app on here, you can't sideload it. It has to be accessed through the app gallery. Right. Huawei's proprietary uh, more control access. for them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, I still like who's to say it won't still be an APK? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'll just be repackaged as something else, and the development will be slightly different, but very similar in the sense that the developers will just check build for build for Harmony OS next, you know, yeah. as as part of their build pipeline. Um, kind of turning Huawei into the Apple of China insofar as retaining yeah. maximum control over installs. Hundred percent, and I mean, you know, that does make sense considering, as I said, that they are very much in charge, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Listen, I think we're done. So I, I wanted to give you a chance to let the world know out there where can they find you on the internet, your various outlets that you write for. Give them your full name and your social media handles, all that sure good stuff. Um, my name is Basil Cronfley, and Linktree Tech underscore Edit is where you can find all of my consolidated profiles. So that's tech underscore E-D-I-T. And just give us a quick rundown of where you write, just so we have an idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I write, um, I love writing for Digital Camera World because I am a big camera geek. But like you, I write for Tech Radar, write for Stuff Magazine here in the UK, a Metro newspaper. So a bunch of local titles and also some US titles too. And where are you the most active in social? Where should people find you? I would say probably Twitter and YouTube. Uh, so YouTube forward slash at tech underscore edit. And text underscore edit is where you'll find you on Twitter then as well. And that's Basil underscore nose. <laughs> but <laughs> that's all say, at the link I mean, tree. <laughs> you had two handles that I didn't know about the new one. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so I, um, Miriam, you may remember, I used to have a brand B-Tech. Uh, that's now Tech Edit. That's right. Um, so yeah, but Basil underscore nose if you want me versus phones. <laughs> there you go, folks. And you know where to find me on the internet, everyone. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character, drop all the vowels and you get my handle on Twitter slash X, on threads, on Insta, on Blue Sky. That's basically where I am mostly out of the different channels. You know, pick your poison. I'm really enjoying threads right now. I just want to let you guys know. Hint, hint, hint. And then, of course, you know, there's a YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast with the occasional unboxing hands-on video and uh, all of that is is accessible for anyone at any time you know how youtube works like subscribe tell your friends click the bell comment about the podcast comment about anything let me actually just remind everyone the uh, where they can find the podcast mobiletechpodcast.com is the url but of course it's on all the big platforms google podcast apple podcast pocket cast spotify everywhere you can find good podcasts if your app lets you rate or review the show please consider doing that 
And then if you want to help in other ways, as I mentioned, there's a Patreon, patreon.com slash tankrl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. There's a bunch of perks there. The one I think that's the most popular is the video version of the podcast where you get it a day or so in advance. And, uh, you you know, you can watch us uh, show some phones and watch our faces and our reactions. And it's a little more personal. Sometimes I leave bloopers in there and extra content when we go over time. So consider helping me out on Patreon if you can. There's also a Discord server you can join if you want, stuff like that. So check it out, patreon.com slash TNKGRL. And if you don't want to do Patreon, but you still want to help me out, there's a link in the show notes to my website, tankgirl.com, that will take you to a PayPal button. You can click on that and buy me a coffee for $5 or five pounds or whatever it is in your currency. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. I want to thank our sponsor, Mint Mobile. You know I review a lot of phones, so I'm constantly juggling multiple devices. While that's fun, it also means I'm spending a lot of money for wireless service on multiple SIMs. Thankfully, there's Mint Mobile, and that's who I'm teaming up with for today's podcast. If you want to save money on your wireless service, switch to Mint Mobile. You've probably seen the Mint Mobile ads featuring Ryan Reynolds, but let me quickly tell you how fantastic their service is, especially for tech-savvy early adopters like us. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network. They keep costs low because they sell direct to you online. They cut out the retail stores and salespeople. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? In my experience testing phones, Mint Mobile delivers the same data speeds and call quality as the big three for a fraction of the cost. Switching to Mint is super easy. Thanks to their eSIMs, you can sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your home. No more standing around waiting in line at a big wireless store. You can keep your current devices and phone number and easily switch services. And if your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM card free of charge. The whole process only takes 15 minutes, and if you get stuck, Mint has a great customer service team to get you through it. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. Mint will show you how much data you use each month and recommend plans that save you money. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up a super affordable family plan with as little as two lines. Use my link mintmobile.com slash mobiletech to get premium wireless starting at $15 a month. Stop paying more than you need on your wireless bill and start saving big with Mint Mobile. And I want to thank you, Basil, for being my guest. Thanks so much for being on the show yet again. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure geeking out with you. Always, we'll have you on again at some point in the future. And folks, you know we'll have another show next week, so stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.